Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. I'm blessed here to, to be here today, and I'm very thankful for the Lord calling me to be a participant in the Lord's ministry. As you may recall, I love to fish. And a few years ago, I had the most wonderful and productive year fishing for trout. I then became overloaded with my sales career and was also going to seminary at the time. I then was ordained, which I just celebrated my sixth anniversary of being ordained to the priesthood on the Epiphany. I had been so caught up in work and mission, I had forgot about my passion for fishing. When I returned, retired from my sales career, I started taking a day a week and went up north to scout new areas, to be out in nature, to fish, and to spend time with the Lord. The time was fruitful, and what I needed to recover from exhaustion, my health was challenged with working 18-hour days and a lot of travel. Two years ago, I tried salmon fishing, which was a whole new ball game. It was driving farther, leaving at 4 a.m., learning a new way of fishing, learning a new area. It would also be a much more popular than I thought it would be, and many times the most popular spots, the common spots, were overloaded with people. I would witness the best and worst of humanity. Nevertheless, I was hooked. Salmon fishing is something I look forward to. I had forgotten the joy that fishing brings to me. This fall, I was able to surpass last year's record, and my personal best is now a 38-inch, 23-pound king salmon. My time driving in the morning normally would entail some quiet time, then some Christian music CDs. And this fall, I started listening to Christian radio broadcasts. There would be short talks from many other popular advantages, evangelists. One week, the talk was from Joyce Myers. She started the talk with a conversation she had with someone as the person had asked, where is God? He used to work in my life all the time. Now I don't see or hear much from him anymore. Her reply to the person was, he is just as busy in our lives We're just so used to it, we don't see it. That is our human condition, isn't it? We get accustomed to things and they become normal. When anything that becomes routine or normal, we don't focus on it as much anymore. We're always looking for the next greatest experience. Jesus is not in the entertainment business. He has not called us to be performers. He has called us to be servants. He has called us to be his hands and feet and bring good news to those that he has called us to. Jesus is always doing something new. But in order to see it, we need to have our eyes focused on him. Two years ago, I shared my testimony at the healing service at convention. It was a moment of healing for me, the opportunity to share the truth. A friend had taken a picture while I was presenting And behind me was the cross, a reminder that Jesus always has our backs. As I was discerning what to talk about today, 
I felt the Lord say, tell them what you have seen. It reminded me of what Jesus said in Luke chapter seven. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. This past Sunday, there was a few used books someone had put in our church hall, and my wife asked me if I wanted one. The title, Sometime God Has a Kid's Face. I'm in the process of reading it, but overall it is a book of hope that God shows up even to those that are in their darkest hour, even if they are a child. At convention, I shared as part of my testimony that I had an experience with the Lord when I was eight. That experience had carried me through so much pain. It had given me hope. My faith was grounded on a personal experience with Jesus. Jesus had appeared in my darkest hours and shown the light of his love. During my time of discernment, I had grown aware of how much the Lord had done for me in my life. I had been praying for an opportunity to thank him. I wanted to not only thank him, I wanted to thank him personally. I faithfully prayed for an opportunity. And to my amazement, he showed up at the altar of St. George's. I was going to the altar that Sunday morning after the service to ensure that everything was cleaned up. A boy was there at the altar, clearing the altar to place the altar covering over it. And knowing that the altar guild would not allow this, I was on guard as this was not normal. I offered help and introduced myself, and we shook hands. And he introduced himself as Emmanuel. God is with us. My jaw dropped, and all I could do was to just keep thanking him. And I asked him to thank his mother as well. And I remember him saying after our introduction that he was surprised that I did not remember him from when I was eight. Towards the end of our conversation, he was standing at the left side of the altar and kept fumbling with the linen and said he found great joy in being a servant, which we all know we will not hear from the lips of a young boy. This was truth standing right in front of me. And as we departed, Emmanuel headed back to the sacristy, and I went towards the narthex, and the whole time, I'm feeling the Lord inviting me to go back there with him. I regret to say that I did not go, and to this day, I don't know why. I guess my prayers were answered, and I was overwhelmed with the experience to the point that I did not know what else to expect. In a most loving way, the following two weeks, there were two additional visions, or experiences, if you will. The following week, I was out making sales calls in Amsterdam, New York, and when in the area, I would take a break and go to the Orisville Shrine. It is a quiet place where I would go to walk and pray. And that particular day, I felt the urge to go into the shrine. As it was cold out, 
and I thought it would be a good place to go in to pray. When I approached the main door, I found that it was locked. And as there are many doors to the Colosseum, I started to try each door. And to my amazement, one of the doors was opened. And if you have not been there, the Colosseum is a round building, and in the center is a round area where there are several altars facing each section out around from the center. And above the altar, there's a large wooden cross. Jesus is on the cross, and Mary is present at his side with a solemn face. When I pulled on that particular door, it flung wide open and making quite a noise. And as I went in, the doorway led me to the aisle that was looking right at Jesus. And at the right was Mary. And at that moment, Mary's face became real and she had a shocked expression on her face. Then it changed to a smile, a smile of recognition. And then her face went back to the solemn look. Mary had recognized me. In my astonishment, I prayed. I knelt down on the ground and thanked the Lord for allowing me to be in his presence. I had just seen Mary, Jesus' mother, and she knew me. I left the Orisville Shrine trying to process what I had just seen and what would it mean and what did it mean. I had seen Jesus a few days earlier, now Mary. What's next? What exactly is the Lord doing? What is he trying to tell me? What does he want? It was only a few minutes later that I would have even more questions. I was headed back to Amsterdam on Route 5S, and as I was going down a hill, I could see something of interest. I slowed down, and there, towards the river, was a cross, at least 100 feet tall. It was taller than any of the surrounding trees. I first thought, what is going on? What am I seeing? It must be a mast. It must be a reflection. It couldn't have been a mast because there are two bridges right there. What is now, one is now a pedestrian bridge and the other is the Route 30 bridge. I parked my van and just stood in wonder and forcing myself to admit that I'm seeing a vision and forcing myself to realize that once again I was seeing the supernatural side of God. I knew that there is no way a 100 foot plus foot cross could be in the river and it was going upstream towards me, past bridges. I wanted to document this, so I started trying to stop traffic and no one would stop. I then just gave in, stopped and soaked in the moment and just stood in an amazement at a most beautiful cross. As I looked at it, I could focus, I realized that I could focus in on the cross like I was using binoculars. And I noticed the base and the arms, the architecture of it. The magnificence astounded me. I don't know how much time had passed, 
but eventually the cross was just there and I just decided to leave. I did, however, thank the Lord, asking him many times, was that the cross that I was to bear? And how am I to bear a cross that cannot be carried by human means? His answer every time was, you're not meant to bear the cross on your own. I was reminded that in order to serve, we need to be in communication with our master, and he will guide us, strengthen us, and inspire us even when we're not sure what he is doing. So in a period of under two weeks, I had seen Jesus, Mary, and a 100-foot cross. Each time I think of these experiences, I think of Thomas and Jesus, how Thomas struggled with his faith and wanted to see Jesus for himself. He would not take the word of his closest friends. And when he sees Jesus, he kneels down and says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We are fast approaching a year of this pandemic. The strain of fear, anxiousness, and worry is tearing through people's lives. The fear of unemployment, the fear of contracting COVID, the fear of losing someone or contracting the virus and passing it on to another are skyrocketing. Just prior to Thanksgiving, I had my annual physical. And I always get nervous at my annual physical because I've had a few health concerns since coming down with mono 13 years ago. But after the usual checkup, the doctor and I, we talked about the challenges in this pandemic. We were discussing all the things we had sacrificed during the shutdown, not being able to go to our favorite restaurants or go to the movies or go shopping. And to sum it all up, she said she was, has witnessed the effects of people losing their joy. Have we lost our joy? Have we put all our energy and time and money into earthly joys? She also surprisingly said to me that I was the opposite and that I was one of the few that was thriving in this new world and I'm in better health than when I retired, before I retired. She said, your career change has been good for you and your health is better because of it. And I give credit to the Lord as I've learned to put it all at the foot of the cross and let go and let God. We have so many examples of people with amazing faith. My favorite is Job. The final verses of the reading today that we read really hits home. You will forget your misery. You will remember it as waters that have passed away. And your life will be brighter than the noonday. Its darkness will be like the morning and you will feel secure because there is hope. These words ring so true in my life. And Job was a man whose wife and his friends had given up on him, and he would not give up hope. His faith in the Lord is what saved him. 
And Paul in his letter to the Ephesians writes, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. And lastly, the gospel, the healing of the paralytic, one of my favorite scripture stories. The amazing thing is it is not the faith of the man that heals him. It is the faith of the four men who bring this man to Jesus. At first, they can't get through the crowds, even though they try. And they know they want, they know they need to get this guy to Jesus. So they go up on the roof. They tear it apart and lower the man down. Can you imagine being a witness to this? Just think for a second. We're at a healing service. It's packed. We hear clamoring. And then we have all this debris falling on us. Then there's shouting. We see something being lowered. And amongst all the chaos, Jesus is in the center, tending to the man on the stretcher that was lowered. The mystery to me is who were the four men of great faith? How did Luke, the physician, the one who wanted to tell the whole story and nothing less, how did he not find out who the four men were? Or maybe he did, and he was astounded that they were normal men. Our faith, and publicly proclaiming our faith, can have a direct, immediate impact on those around us. Our hope, our joy, can and will change lives. A pandemic will not stop it. It may mean we need to find other ways. Our bishop retiring will change us, but the good news of Jesus must be shared. Jesus is very involved in the healing business, and he is calling us to share the good news. In Luke chapter four, after his baptism, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days and is tempted by the devil. He returns and begins his earthly ministry. He is at the synagogue and reads, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus rolls up the scroll and says to, to the people in the synagogue, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Sadly, the people of the town drive Jesus out, but it did not stop the good news from spreading. Their lack of faith did not stop Jesus. In the story that I had just referred to, our gospel reading in the healing of the paralytic, the end of the story is different. And it reads, in amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. I pray that as you listen to this message today, that you invite the Lord into your heart. Invite him into your darkest places. Let his light shine. For I have witnessed the light shining 
and the darkness did not overcome it. May the Lord inspire you in you the true hope, true peace, true joy, which only derives from his presence. Even though I have been amazed at what the Lord has done in my life, I am blessed to know that the Lord, what the Lord has done and what he is doing. I am also blessed to see the Lord working in and around the communities that I serve. I've seen the Lord physically heal people. He has healed those with addictions. He has healed people with emotional issues. He has released people of their demons. I am blessed to see the Lord at work and that brings joy and hope. On this side of receiving a number of healings myself, life is so different. Be assured that the Lord has the same plan for you as well. Today, take a moment and offer yourself to the Lord. Make a commitment to the Lord. He is at your side, waiting for you to answer and to accept his hope, his peace, and his joy. These are what we need in our lives and not earthly pleasures. In closing, another one of my favorite verses is in Isaiah, chapter 55, verse six. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. That is what we need to do, is to seek the Lord. Take this opportunity. Simply reach out and receive the joy and peace of the Lord's presence. Let this be a time that you will fondly look back at in remembrance. Today is the day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.